WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. I'm so glad you're joining us for this special two-hour live Street Soldiers episode on the coronavirus pandemic. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Over the next two hours, you're going to hear the facts as we know them today, how to protect yourselves and the ones you love, and get some real perspective about what's going on beyond the media hype. We're also going to be taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And your social media comments. On my Instagram page, Lisa Evers, E-V-E-R-S, and at underscore street soldiers. Now make no mistake about it, this is a serious public health crisis that's already impacting many areas of our lives. I don't know anyone that has not been affected by this in some way. But for the vast majority of coronavirus patients, this is not a death sentence, and we need to keep that in mind. So we're going to get into this now with our special guest, Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon. Dr. Thompson will be with us for the entire two hours and taking questions at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. On my Instagram, at Lisa Evers, at underscore Street Soldiers. And we'll also be streaming a little bit later on Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And also want to say a special thank you to our program director, P.O. Uh, Farrow, our assistant program director, music director, T.T. Torres, and... Pat Robinson, our Director of Operations, Vice President for Community Engagement, and uh, for helping make this possible, and everybody here on the programming department that helped us get this show on the air, because we've just been inundated, quite frankly, with phone calls, with text messages, uh, with a lot of social media comments, people really wanting to have the, uh, you know, the accurate information. So that's what we're going to be giving you now. We're taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. Social media comments on Instagram at Lisa Evers at underscore, so, uh, at underscore street soldiers. Let's get right to it with Dr. Thompson now. Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me on. We really appreciate it. In terms of the perspective, give us some perspective on this because a lot of people are talking about this like it's Ebola. Correct. Um, so all the data has shown us right now that for most cases of COVID-19, uh, this is a mild respiratory illness. About 80% of all the worldwide cases have resulted in mild respiratory illnesses where patients actually uh, get better and recover uh, within two weeks without issue. Now, for the season of 2019-2020, influenza A has caused approximately 280,000 hospitalizations, where 16 to 20,000 of those hospitalizations have unfortunately ended up uh, in mortality. Compared to the current numbers in the United States of coronavirus or COVID-19, COVID only almost 3,000 people have contracted uh, COVID-19, resulting in 57 deaths. And the more testing that we're doing, the more that CDC and uh, local uh, laboratories have been able to test for COVID-19, 
we're starting to see the mortality rate drop. And Dr. Thompson, but I think this is important, an important thing too, is that the testing, the testing was delayed from what the, what our city officials and state officials are saying. But let's just, let's talk about some of the basics of this because we're seeing countries, entire countries on lockdown. We just heard overnight over this weekend, Hoboken, curfew, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., Teaneck, New Jersey, because of a cluster of coronavirus or COVID-19, as it's uh, officially called. A cluster of cases in Teaneck, New Jersey. They're urging the entire community to self-quarantine. A lot of people are working remotely or even have been temporarily laid off from their jobs. A lot of people who worked in arenas and public places and facilities not able to go to work because their places of work and their events and all those things are shut down. So how do you catch, how do you catch it? Like, how is this transmitted? So just in very basic terms. Sure, sure. So uh, back uh, in January, when these uh, COVID-19 viruses were first detected in Wuhan, China, it was thought to start from animal to human transmission. The virus was found uh, at live animal um, farms in Wuhan, China. Once it started from animal to human, now we have human to human uh, spread and this is done through respiratory droplets, so uh, droplets in the air, and it's most easily uh, contracted being within six feet of someone who has the COVID nineteen virus. So basically, when you say moisture droplets, that somebody sneezes with one of those messy kind of sneezes that everyone goes uh, cringes when That's they right. hear it. That's right. Somebody spitting. They can get it from that? Absolutely. Somebody, okay. Yes. Somebody touching a surface that has that on it? Yes. It's possible to be transmitted through touching a surface with the virus, but uh, all the data that we have right now shows that COVID-19 doesn't uh, last very long on surfaces. And when I mean very long, I mean it lasts about four to five hours. After that, uh, it seems as though the virus cannot survive. Most of transmission is from respiratory droplets. And then in terms of how contagious, we've heard about risk groups and people, it seems that we've, and our condolences and thoughts and prayers to the people who have passed away. We have two deaths in New Jersey, two in New York State. And, uh, you know, in terms of who's most vulnerable, we've been hearing that it is people with serious pre-existing medical conditions like emphysema, like That's severe right. diabetes, right. those types of things. That's right. And that, that, that children have not seemed to have been as affected by this. Does that make sense to you? It does. Uh, but let me just, let, let me couch my comments first by saying we do not have all the information. We do not know exactly uh, how COVID-19 exactly spreads and who's most vulnerable. We do know that the most vulnerable population are those older populations and those populations where chronic cardiac or heart disease is present, chronic lung disease, kidney disease. Uh, but in saying that, there's no different than any other viral illness. Those are always the patients who are going to be most susceptible to, to contracting the illness and having harm. And then in terms of treatment, the, is, do you believe that 80%, they're giving us like an 80% average recovery rate, that most people, and this, this is what the mayor has been saying, Mayor de Blasio has been saying, he said, understand as, you know, difficult as this is to deal with on a lifestyle basis and health, health basis in terms of our, you know, health workers and hospitals. The fact of the matter is, if you are in good health, you're going to recover. You're going to have a severe case of the flu and you're going to recover. That's right. 
Uh, once again, that 80% is key. 80% of all the diagnoses of COVID-19 represent mild respiratory illnesses where we have, uh, I believe, around 11 or 12% uh, can be severe respiratory illnesses. So the vast majority of people who contract COVID-19 will recover. What about people, and, and this is one of the questions that's come up to a lot on, on social media as well. We've heard that elderly, people that are over 80 with with health conditions, a lot of families have the grandf- grandmother, grandfather, you know, great aunt, right. whatever, living right. with them that's or right. nearby, and they're constantly checking on them. What's your advice on that? Well, I would say that we have to uh, be diligent in doing the same thing for our loved ones as we're doing for ourselves, meaning making sure they are out of harm's way, making sure that they are not around people who may possibly have the illness. Now, if you have a loved one in your home who does contract COVID-19, it's important that they are in separate living quarters or a separate room outside of the rest of the family. And not only that, um, cleaning and disinfecting all the common areas, especially bathrooms, uh, including uh, desktops, tabletops, light switches, remote controls, uh, light bulb, um, any any sort of common area within the home uh, needs to be disinfected with some sort of solution uh, that's at least 60 to 70 percent alcohol based. All right. And uh, I, what I'm going to say is also something that I said a little bit earlier on, the, on. I've been saying on my Instagram page, too. If you've been in any type of store in the last three or four days, you really need to prepare your home as if you're preparing for a snowstorm or a hurricane and make sure you have sufficient food supplies there because there may be a disruption in the delivery of food. Not to panic anybody, but just to be prepared. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Our special guest, Dr. Charles Thompson, the third medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical New York. We're taking your calls when we come back. We're also going to have a top mental health expert and psychologist, Dr. Norman Freed, because a lot of people are super stressed out about this. And our goal with doing this show, our whole team here at Hot 97, my whole team, Lisa, our goal in doing this show today is to give you accurate information, put things in perspective. Yes, it's intense, but our message is we're going to get through it. And if, especially if we all work together, we'll be right back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to this special episode of Street Soldiers. Two hours live with you, taking your telephone calls, questions, and comments on the coronavirus pandemic. And what we really want to do is give you accurate information. Make sure you're prepared for this week ahead because there is going to be more disturbing news, I'm sure, coming our way. And just to make sure that everybody is doing the best that they can and that we're supporting each other as we get through this crisis. And we will get through this crisis as we have through others. But the good news is the vast majority of people who get COVID-19, as it's called, the coronavirus, will survive. And But the big problem is, what is it doing to our mental state? What is it doing to our mood? What is it doing, these drastic changes in lifestyle, uh, doing to us right now? And that's what we're going to be talking about with our special guest. Joining me in studio is Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical New York. And also joining us on the phone is Dr. Norman Freed. He's a 
psychologist and mental health expert. And uh, I also want to let you know we are, are live right now on Facebook, Lisa Evers. We're live on my Instagram, Lisa Evers. And also, you should text message because this is an international crisis. I would encourage you right now to text message any family members you have in other states that are outside of our immediate listening area. Tell them to tune in to the live stream, which is going on right now on hot97.com or the free Hot 97 app so that they can uh, take part in this and get this information as well. Let's bring in Dr. Norman Freed. Dr. Freed, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning. Dr. Freed, is it just me or are people really freaking out about this? Because everywhere I go, I'm either seeing beautiful acts of kindness, but a lot more stress. A lot more stress. I hope to see beautiful acts of kindness more often, but yes, your answer is, uh, the answer is this is um, the emotional contagion, or what I say the emotional contamination is as as virulent as the as the physical contagion and and maybe more and the effects of fear and panic are lingering in families across the world and so important that we find ways to manage calm at a time like this because calm is going to help keep us healthier it boosts our immune system as well as allows relationships to to continue in a very very healthy manner all right, but in terms in terms of what people are going through, uh, Doctor Doctor Freed, if you have your radio on behind you or, or or near you, if you could just move that away or turn it down, that will help. Us. Okay, great, thank you. Then we can hear everything. Um, in in terms of what people need to do, because we've had disruptions to our schedules, Doctor Thompson, I'm sure you with patients are calling. They had you have you book you know back to back bookings appointments. People don't know what to do. Doctor Free, what about this? This has been a, a really a tremendous upset in everybody's way of life. It certainly has, and most importantly, it's it's important to recognize that there's a significant difference between a fact and a feeling, and that the feeling is that we're all going to be negatively impacted. But the facts are very different than that, and it's important to know the facts, to follow the, the, the accurate information and not the rumors that are out there, because the more we know the facts, the calmer we can be, and we can soothe ourselves as well as our friends. Go ahead, Charles. Dr. Freed, uh, this is Dr. Thompson. I, what do you think is contributing to the increased amount of sort of panic and fear factor that we're seeing with this virus as opposed to other viruses that have come and gone, the SARS, H1N1, etc.? I would give you two answers. The first is that the nature of trauma is that we don't necessarily think rationally and we begin to have unreasonable thoughts. And many of us are struggling with what I would consider a version of post-traumatic stress disorder. Remember that traumatization in people is defined as when a life-threatening or perceived life-threatening event challenges your sense of safety. And so it's not just somebody who was in, in war in Iraq or who's going to struggle with this type of post-traumatic stress. Anyone who has a perception that their life is in danger is going to actually have this level of fear. It doesn't mean it's rational or reasonable, but it does mean that it is something that many people experience. Secondly, there's, there's a lot of research on group dynamics and herd behavior. And when someone begins to think something and share with others, it begins to take on a life of its own where people begin to believe things that aren't necessarily accurate. And so when we get together in groups, we begin to work off one another and radiate panic back and forth in a reverberating manner. 
And we must remember that not everything that we hear is accurate and not everything that we fear is accurate. Okay, but let me just, let, because both of you are doctors, I'm just a regular person. Let me just tell you how a lot of people are feeling. There, A lot of people are being told, don't come into work. There are a lot of people that we have, we have a caller on the line we're going to get to, uh, they can't go to work, so they don't get paid because they're working in a particular field where they don't, they don't have benefits or that type of thing. We see a lot of things closed down, things that people would normally do to relax, let off steam, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a concert, whether it's a big party, all of the things that we would do recreationally to kind of cope with stress, feel better, just, you know, come, be, be, live our lives. Those things are no longer possible because of this whole crowd issue with, with coronavirus. So, Dr. Fried, how do people, and there's a lot of people being told, we have a whole town, Teaneck, New Jersey, being told to self-quarantine. How do people deal with the fact of, okay, I got to stay home. I'm not supposed to really go out. I'm concerned about people, but I'm not supposed to really be, you know, in close proximity to them. How do you deal with that mentally? Give us some tips, please. Okay, so here's some tips on stress reduction. First and foremost, it's very important to maintain a connection to either some therapeutic a uh, person in your life or clergy, a rabbi, a priest, or an imam, someone that you can talk to about both your spiritual fears as well as your emotional ones. So a, maintaining some version of a therapeutic alliance would be very, very helpful. Challenge number two, challenge your cognitions. The internal environment that we create for ourselves impacts how we see the world. And so when we say things like, I'm I'm not going to make it, we actually begin to believe those things, which is not necessarily true. So it's important to actually catch yourself when you say things under your breath like, I, I'm in trouble here. Because when you find yourself saying those things, you're actually creating an internal world that's way too negative for you to prevail. So we want to actually challenge the way we speak about ourselves to ourselves. Number three, and very important, the power of story. It's so important that those of us who are scared share our story with someone who can listen. When we talk to someone about the way we feel, we lift ourselves from a private place to a, per to a public abode. We realize that we're not the only one that feels this way. We, we break the restriction and isolation that comes from being so scared. So when you tell your story to someone who can listen, you begin the healing process from anxiety. Number four, boundaries. While we're still, still working on social distancing, it doesn't mean that we can't use our voice. Simply because we don't hug and shake hands these days doesn't mean that we can't say words like, I'm scared, or I'm with you, or I hear you. Now we're going to have to use eye contact, posture, as well as our feelings through our voice to connect with one another honestly. Know the facts. Number five, education is key. Online references, proper websites, this wards off feelings of helplessness. So those are some important techniques to manage calm at a time like this. All right. Well, Dr. Norman Fried, I want to thank you so very much for giving us your, your great advice and uh, your time this morning and, and really helping everybody get through this crisis. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Dr. Charles Thompson, let's get to some phone calls here Absolutely. and some comments. 1-800-223-9797. 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Nicole right now. Nicole, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers and Dr. Charles Thompson. Go right ahead. Hi. I just have some questions. So if kids had been traveling, not overseas, but just for spring break purposes for college, at what point should they be concerned that they came in contact with something 
and what symptoms should they look out for first? If they wake up with a sore throat, a cough, whatever, at what point do you run to the doctor and where do you go to get tested? Sure, that's an excellent question. I'm sure many people uh, want to know the answer to. So it depends on where they were for spring break. That's number one. Um, right now, there are three states that uh, are considered high uh, with with uh, that are considered to have moderate to severe community uh, spread, which is California, Washington State, and New York. Uh, typically, spring breakers are in Florida, somewhere in the south. So. We haven't seen a moderate or a severe amount of community spread in those states. However, the, the symptoms that one should look for are symptoms that are present with any kind of respiratory illness. The most serious symptom, however, would be fever. So anyone that has fever or shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, um, a cough, you know, should be, uh, at this point in time, uh, checked out. Uh, we are having increased amount of testing availability, and so... Uh, I would uh, recommend going to the hospital, going to the doctor, and first getting an influenza test and getting a rapid flu, uh, rapid flu test. A regular flu test to make That's sure right. that it's not that. Because it, also, too, is we have to keep in mind as well, there were, there were many people, there were many regular flu cases That's right. this year. There were 20,000, just to give you some perspective, and, and hopefully it'll calm people a little bit. There were 20,000, according to the CDC, 20,000 deaths this winter season just from the regular flu. So that's, uh, you know, we have, to keep, we have to keep that in mind as well. And Lisa, let me also say that these are 20,000 deaths from the regular flu, a flu in which we do have a vaccine for. So we have a vaccine for the regular flu, though we've had 20,000 deaths. In the United States, we've only had 57 unfortunate deaths thus far, uh, and the mortality rate seems to be dropping the more that we test. So again, as we said before, uh, COVID-19 is more of a mild respiratory illness in most people, but people who are high risk are certainly uh, ha could have more severe disease. And let me just say this. Uh, New York State, the, the um, they have eased up on Friday. President Trump declared a national emergency. We've had an a state of emergency in New York City and New York State since last week. New York State has now gotten the capacity to do many more coronavirus tests. Um, and there's a, a toll-free number, a hotline number, 888 Three six four three zero six five. That's eight 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 three six four three zero six five. And you can find it if you Google if you Google New York State coronavirus testing, they will give you that information. Um, you can get more information about that. So the advice that Dr. Thompson is giving, yes, they want they're going to first want to rule out. Uh, any other type of flu. One of the big things that we've seen in this with the cases, you know, as I've been sitting through these briefings that we've been getting from the governor and from the mayor and from other health officials has been the the fever, the very, very high fever, prolonged high fever, and a lot of respiratory issues and, and breathing issues. And also, while they say that young people are not at risk for this, one issue that has come up nationally that I wanted to pass on, too, is that if you are a serious vapor, if you, are doing a, if you do a lot of vaping, your lungs are not in good shape. That's right. Uh, vaping and certainly cigarette smoke, um, you know, especially uh, the elderly population, but more so we think, you know, the younger generations are, you know, their lungs are a little stronger. And I've operated on many patients uh, who are young 
And when coming up from anesthesia, they're having problems with breathing because of the vaping, because of the smoking. So wow. that's a very important point. Definitely. All right, this is Street Soldiers, a special live two-hour episode taking your questions and calls on coronavirus. Uh, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And we'll be back right after this. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, for this special two-hour live episode on the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, we are taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. We're streaming live on Facebook, Lisa Evers. We're streaming live on Instagram, uh, Lisa Evers, official and verified. And of course, I'm joined here by Dr. Charles Thompson the He's a medical director and surgeon and owner of Clarity Surgical. And we're taking uh, your telephone calls. And Dr. Thompson, a lot of calls. Let's get to them right now. Let's Absolutely. go to, um, can you can you help me with the stacks here? Let's go to uh, Dwayne. Yeah, number three. Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Uh, yes, I have a quick question. Ordering. I know you were saying about Remember, like, with diabetic problems in the family? Say if there's a family member that works for, like, a sanitation department. How do you go about that situation right there? Okay, for the for the listeners and viewers on Facebook Live, the question was, what if you have a family member that works in the sanitation department? How do you protect yourself and prepare uh, for uh, possible exposure? That's a great question. Also, to a lot of people in the cleaning, cleaning uh, business. That's right. That's right. So... I, I imagine those who are working in the sanitation industry and in the cleaning industry already have uh, systems in place to keep those employees protected. You know, the fact that they're dealing with uh, dirty materials and dirty objects, those programs, those jobs have uh, measures in place. And so there wouldn't be anything any different than what we are saying now. Okay. Uh, to protect yourself from COVID-19, you want to make sure that you have appropriate distance away from people who are coughing, who are actively uh, sick. Uh, you want to make sure that you're cleaning and disinfecting uh, topical surfaces. You want to make sure that any symptoms that you may have or that you think someone else may have, uh, you refer them to the necessary um, uh, medical um, uh, facilities for, for testing. All right, Dwayne, thank you very much for your call. Let's go to... Um Let's go to Ayla right here. Ayla, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I was just concerned about how many people like me who can't work because they're not letting anyone work for the corona, how can we pay our bills? How can we pay the rent and stuff? Because, you know, the people who receive the rent, they're not, like, taking that as an answer, the coronavirus. They're still going to want their rent money either way. Hey, are, are you in? Are, let me just ask you this: Are you in New York? Are you a New York City resident? Hey, no, I'm a New Jersey resident. Okay, I would I would call I would call your local municipality, whether it's a town or whether it's a city, because here in New York, they have suspended evictions for people who can't pay rent. They've suspended evictions in NYCHA. Um, and also there's additional financial help now that there's a national emergency. So people will be able to get um, EBT. They'll be able to get food stamps without having to wait. You can file for unemployment compensation without having to wait the two weeks uh, before it kicks in and before you can get some type of financial relief. But I would, ch- I would start with your, your, um, local, city your local hall, town right? or city, local city hall. And then also with, with New Jersey state. 
Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so. Thank you so much. All right. Let's bring in right now, um, Doctor Philip. Doctor, everyone's a doctor here except for me. (laughs) Attorney Philip Hamilton, um, to talk about the courts. This is another issue: courts and courts and jails. Uh, Philip Hamilton, criminal defense and civil rights attorney. He is the uh, founder of the Philip Hamilton Law Firm. Um, Phil, thank you so much for being on with me and Doctor Charles Thompson. We appreciate it. Okay. Do we not have him? Okay, we're going to see if we can, uh, uh, let's go to, Phil, are you there? Okay, I think we lost Phil. Let's try, uh, let's go take a phone call in the meantime. Let's go to Marcos, 1-800-223-9797. Marcos, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers and Dr. Charles Thompson. Go right ahead. Good morning and happy Sunday to everyone. Good morning. Good morning. eyes with the conclusion of the National Institute of Health that has just reported some findings on the coronavirus testing. Now, to keep it brief, they have found with a 75% probability of false positive rates of positive results of coronavirus, with that percentage being 47. So 47%... Okay, Marcos, I'm I'm going to stop you right there. Unless you work for the CDC, I, I can't... I can't put this information out. Plus, it's going to confuse people in terms of the numbers. If you have a point or you have a question or comment for uh, Dr. Thompson or a comment for our audience, I'll be happy to let you make that. How can we trust the numbers of positive coronavirus victims? All right. Excellent point. Charles, what about that? So all we have to go off of is what we have now. And the real answer to that question is we just have to make sure that we prevent ourselves from becoming uh, infected with the virus. And if we do uh, become infected, we have to take uh, the steps necessary to get over that virus. Uh, I, I don't think that anyone is trying to mislead um, the, the public in terms of the statistics involved with uh, contracting COVID-19, but we're still in the very early stages. You know, so the stages of a pandemic uh, are as follows, uh, recognition, initiation and acceleration and right now we're in the initiation phase we've recognized so you're saying it's going to get worse we're going to be hearing about deaths and and more cases we're going to be having more cases and unfortunately we're going to be having more deaths however i don't want to make that sound as grim as it does you know so far as a number of cases have increased the mortality rate has dropped because the more we test for this uh infection Naturally, the mortality rate is going to drop. All right. Um, I think we have Attorney Phil Hamilton on right now. Phil, are you there? Lisa, I'm here. Oh, okay, great. All right. Criminal Defense and Civil Rights Attorney Philip Hamilton is joining us. You're on, Phil, also with Dr. Charles Thompson here. We've been getting questions and comments on our Hot 97 social media, my personal social media, um, at Lisa Evers, about about people with court cases because everything seems to be closed. What can you tell us about that? Oh, my gosh. Um, so right now, here's what's going on. The courts, at least in New York State, okay, they are still open. Uh, what's going on is with respect to jury duty, they are they're postponing all jury trials, both civil and criminal, starting on March 16th, moving forward, right? And if you are already in the midst of a criminal jury or you're already in the midst of a civil jury, like a trial that's already started, you unfortunately are still required to report, but they're not going to be starting any new trials uh, with respect to that being jury trial, you know, post March 15th. The problem is if you're, you know, loved one or if you, uh, if you have a trial that's coming up, that's going to be in front of just a judge, like a bench trial, or if you have other hearings that are on, uh, especially in the criminal context, 
uh, most likely you're still going to have to show up to court until you're otherwise either from unified court system or from your attorney. So, you know, don't think on Tuesday at this point that, you know, because the jury trials have stopped and because we're kind of, you know, almost just experiencing all this chaos right now, um, that you don't have to go to court because you don't want to be in a situation, unfortunately, where you're having a warrant issued and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, you can trust me, so there's been like a lot of voices trying to, you know, talk to unified court system, especially in the criminal context, about, you know, maybe at this point it's not best to continue to have us all in the same room, be it an arraignment, right. be it in the court parts, especially for some of these petty, you know, types of offenses. So, like, when we're talking about, like, petty larceny or, you know, taking some deodorant out of a store or something like that, unfortunately right now, you know, NYPD, they're still making these arrests, and, like, people are still having to go to court and, and, and sit in overnight on, you know, both kinds of allegations which then is just kind of putting the rest of the community in harm's way. You know, to the extent that you have someone sitting in Central Brooklyn, you have someone sitting in Sam and Hack in the Tombs, uh, you know, over on Rikers Island, it's, it's, we're, we're in the midst of a health crisis. And I, I think in that respect, you know, you would like to think that at this point we don't have to go to court, but, you know, we still do as a... We, so, no, and that's good, that's good for people to know because uh, we don't want people catching warrants because they're not going into court. Phil, what about visiting visiting in the state prisons and visiting in the city jails? Um, I mean, with respect to the prisons and the jails, let, let me just throw an addendum on what I just said. Now, of course, if you are feeling sick, right, if you're starting to experience the symptoms in terms of, like, having those flu-like symptoms, fevers, it's, you know, you're, if you're starting to feel sick and respiratory issues, of course, then don't go to court, even if you have a criminal case. Just get in touch with your attorney. Get, try to get in touch with the clerk of the court, let them know what's going on, because a judge isn't going to issue a warrant if they have reason to believe that you're sick, okay? So that's number one. Kind of coming in now to what you're asking about the state and federal prisons, um, let's also talk about the city, because, you know, remember, New York City Department of Corrections operates totally and differently from New York State yes. uh, Department of Corrections, right? Yes. So with New York State Department of Corrections, then let's say you have somebody that's upstate or you have somebody that's downstate in, like, a correctional facility. They've already been convicted of a crime. They're serving their prison sentence. In that respect, they are they are postponing the social visits for 30 days at the state level, okay? Legal visits are still okay, so if your loved one still needs to see their attorney at the state Department of Corrections level, um, legal visits are still okay, but social visits are being postponed for 30 days. And I think right now the state is in a process of trying to provide some other means by which those that are incarcerated can have, you know, more fuller contact with their loved ones that doesn't include physical contact, right? So, like, some free phone calls as opposed to the expensive phone calls they generally have to make, you know, out of those facilities. Um, and, like, just some other things I think that they're thinking about implementing in terms of trying to keep the population from downstate like here in New York City, from going to some of the correctional facilities upstate, right, in those right. center areas. So they're, they're, they're thinking about those. Now, at the city level, um, Rikers at this point, they have not postponed social visits. However, remember what I was saying in the sense that if you have a court date and you're starting to feel like you're actually sick, um, you don't want to go to Rikers because Rikers and, you know, uh, say like the boat and just some of the other uh, correctional facilities here in the city, they're, they're doing like screening. You know what I mean? So, like, if you have a fever or if, if you're actually physically sick and, like, coughing, and like, they're going to screen you before they let you in, um, which is kind of, like, ironic, right? It's almost like with the lack of testing that we have, 
in particularly like here in the city, it's almost like, well, going to visit a loved one at Rikers, maybe that can aid <laughs> in some people getting tested. It's That's like crazy, but it, Phil, we Phil, we're coming up against the clock and we got a full board of phone calls here. The um, And then this whole hand sanitizer thing is crazy because they're banned from using hand sanitizer in the state prisons. And, and I think mostly banned from using it in Rikers Island, yet the upstate prisoners, the prisoners in the, uh, the inmates in the state prisons have been making sanitizer for the New York, New York state government. Yeah, so hand sanitizer works wonderfully well. However, the CDC has issued a statement saying that regular hand washing with soap is better than hand sanitizer. Uh, if you wash thoroughly for 20 to 30 seconds, with water and soap that is better than hand sanitizer. All right. Phil, we got to run, but thank you so much for this update on everything. Lisa, thanks for having me. And just quickly, the federal jails, that's going directly like the New York State jails. Those social visits are all postponed. So just FYI for everybody at MDC and MCC. Okay? All right, great. Thank you so much. Attorney, criminal defense and civil rights attorney Philip Hamilton, thank you so much. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're joined by Dr. Charles Thompson III. Taking your telephone calls, 1-800-223-9797, 1-800-223-9797. Joseph, Martin, Vernon, Melinda, everyone else on hold. We're going to uh, get to your telephone calls when we come back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. I'm so glad you're joining us for this special two-hour live episode of Street Soldiers talking about the coronavirus epidemic and how we can really deal with it in the healthiest way possible, both physically and mentally. We heard from criminal defense attorney Philip Hamilton telling you, even though jury trials are, are shut down or postponed, if you have an upcoming case, unless your attorney tells you it's been postponed, you better show up or you're going to get a warrant. We heard from Dr. Norman Freed, who says that, yes, this is a mental contagion, emotional contagion. Contagion is more serious a threat to us than actual physical contagion because a lot of people are stressing out unnecessarily about this. And I'm joined in studio by Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical New York, and he's giving us medical advice, very sound and practical medical advice. And we're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797, streaming live on my Instagram and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And uh, starting in the 8 o'clock hour, hopefully you'll be able to hear the phone calls as well on the social media. But the best thing is you should have that Hot 97 app on your phone anyway. Uh, Dr. Thompson, in terms of the hysteria, what concerns you as a man of science about this? The messaging that, that we're receiving. Um, you know, one thing that I tell my patients all the time is to watch where and how much information you get. Um, I think we tend to Google everything. We're, we're sort of a sensationalistic society where any, anything that we're watching in the media uh, is based in uh, sensationalism. And so what happens is it, it drives up the panic. It drives up the fear it drives, and it creates hysteria. Um, there are, you know, there are few outlets that one should uh, get their information from. And that's certainly from the CDC, that's from the New York Department of Health. Uh, and there are other academic resources where we should be getting our information. Everything else is, is, is not necessary. And I think it, it would behoove us to turn off the TV sometimes. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the phones right now. Let's go to, um, Melinda. Melinda, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, Lisa and Dr. Thompson. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Yes, uh, for us to call in. And um, Dr. Thompson, I do agree with you that we need to be careful who we listen to, um, you know, use our common sense. But uh, my question is about um, the panic now in the grocery stores as far as food and personal supplies go. Uh, how do you feel we should be uh, behaving and where do you think this will go? Okay, Melinda, let me let me start on that first because I did a Instagram live on Thursday night uh telling people on Thursday that what's going to happen is we need to consider this the way we would a snow a big snowstorm or a hurricane coming up where people stock up, shelves are empty, shelves are increasingly empty, people are very irritated in a lot of the stores, some of the stores are very crowded and there may be a, d- a couple of days where you're not able to get anything. I do I think it's going to last forever? Absolutely not, but you need to have as many supplies, as much food in your house as you possibly can. That's that's non-perishable. Dr. Thompson, did you want to say something on that? Right. So I think this was sort of a shock to our whole economy, um, the way that things have developed so far. So it's, it's only going to be temporary, I, I believe, that the shelves will be empty. The shelves will be, be restocked. And when they are, we should be getting non-perishable items, uh, dried canned goods. Um, it's a great source of fiber and plant-based proteins, uh, B vitamins. Uh, you should be getting uh, butters, uh, tree butters like peanut butter, almond butters, uh, dried fruits and veggies. Your good old uh, peanut soups. butter and jelly. That's right. That's right. These, you know, these are these are staples. So, um, again, this is going to be a temporary issue we have with the stores not being stocked, but uh, it it will resolve soon. All right, it will resolve soon. Let's go to Sally right now. Sally, hi. You're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for having me as well. I do appreciate. It. I'm a nurse that worked in the prison system on Rikers have been through many of the different facilities. And although we are aggressively testing, you know, one of the big issues that we're having is our shortage of disinfectants. So it kind of defeats the purpose, you know, of trying to keep our patients, which other people may consider as inmates, you know, virus-free. So it's, you know, we're standing on the line. These people are coming off of the streets and directly into our care. And although we are screening them, but the process is not as swift as many may think, you know, and it's causing issues because, again, we have our families that we're going to, and if we can't properly disinfect our facilities, we are bound to get infected. Sally, how concerned... Like our medical staff. Absolutely. How, how concerned are you? Because a lot, of, a lot of the facilities, I've been on Rikers Island a number of times. Uh, Fat Joe and I and our street soldiers team did a town hall there on, on Rikers Island. There's a, there's a lot of housing and day, day areas where, where the inmates are very, pa- are packed in very, very tight in some of those housing units in very close proximity that's, to each other. That's actually very true. But the problem also is that, you know, as uh, medical staff, we're not privileged to those areas, so we can't even decide or understand how those facilities are being disinfected, and we also do have to remember that they are being disinfected not by DCAS, but by the inmates themselves. So okay. it's not something that you can you can say it's actual full cleaning, you know. All right, so let's right. let's see if we can get some uh, get get some advice from from Dr. Thompson about what you can do, and 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 obviously the inmates who are listening. 
uh, to us in Rikers Island. There's a, you know, they're in a very, very tough situation there. Dr. Thompson? That's right, Sally. And as a nurse, Sally, I know you, you know this, um, that the best way that we can prevent uh, your patients from becoming infected is screening people who are actually coming to Rikers Island. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, inmates and the, uh, nursing staff, the medical staff and the administration, administrative staff in Rikers Island are all sort of isolated. They cannot get COVID-19 unless, unless it is brought to them. It does not come up de novo. So, uh, you know, strict and hard screening for everybody that comes to Rikers Island, uh, in visiting is what's going to be the best way to prevent any kind of infection from happening. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to, uh, Jackie right now. Jackie, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, I just have a question. I work in a pharmacy. Um, you know, obviously we've gone from doing like 400 scripts to now over 800 a day. Um, from so many people that are coming in, you know, get extended supplies, six months more. Um, but my question is, so we obviously are all out of gloves, sanitizers, masks, anything uh, to sell patients. And now we don't have any ourselves to even use. So now, like right now, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to be interacting with hundreds of people over the next 10 hours. So how are we, you know, supposed people that are in the healthcare field supposed to be protecting ourselves? Because I don't see how we're going to be one of the things that close, close down. That's right. That's a great question. And for the Facebook Live uh, community, uh, we had a caller who asked, you know, as healthcare providers, how are we able to protect ourselves uh, with gloves, masks, and disinfectants being sold out? So I'll, I'll address each one of those with gloves. Um, to be very honest with you, I, uh, the prevailing thought in the, com- in the medical community is gloves are not a great thing. Uh, we can use gloves on a per patient basis. However, wearing gloves and, and using those gloves with multiple people is far worse than just washing your hands with soap Oh, because you're not washing the gloves. Because you're not washing the gloves. And then if you have the glove on, exactly. then you touch your eye or you touch your That's face right. or whatever. That's right. So really? Glo- gloves, okay. in a, gloves in of itself is you're better off having bare hands and just washing them pretty frequently every 15 to 20 minutes, washing hands with warm soap and water. Uh, with sanitizer, again, sanitizer is great, especially if it's more than 60% alcohol-based. Um, however, regular washing with hand uh, hand soap old is better. Old-fashioned old, old soap fashioned, with a bar of soap. And that's right. It's better than uh, uh, hand sanitizer as per the CDC. And for masks, you, we see a lot of people walking around the streets what with masks What about that, on. Charles? I get a lot of questions about that. Right. CDC says that it, they do not recommend uh, patients without symptoms and who have not been diagnosed with COVID-19 to wear masks, period. The only people that should be wearing masks are those who either have symptoms or PUIs, which are persons under investigation, or who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. They should wear masks. If they can't wear masks because it's difficult for them to breathe and they have other respiratory issues, then the people in their home should be wearing masks when in close proximity, close contact with them. So uh, masks should not be worn uh, by the general public as per the CDC. Is there, do we know why that is? 
I'm sorry, why? Do we know why they should not be worn? Because they say they're not really effective unless it's that N95 mask. And that one's very impractical to wear for long periods of time. So the regular surgical masks that most people are wearing uh, are not helping you from uh, not contracting the disease. Uh, And uh, the COVID-19 particles are much smaller than the surgical mask. Um, The N95 masks are in very short supply and should only be used for patients who have been diagnosed or are under investigation or by healthcare workers who are caring for people with COVID-19. And they're the, one, they're the ones that need it. This is Street Soldiers. That's Dr. Charles Thompson, the third medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical. He's with us for the next hour through nine o'clock for the special live episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. We're broadcasting live on Facebook Live and Instagram Live as well at Lisa Evers, Blue Check Official. You know how we do always official. And uh, taking your telephone calls, 1-800-223-9797. Ruben, Sam, uh, Martin, Vernon, everyone else on the lines. We're going to try to get to your calls when we come back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this special two-hour episode of Street Soldiers, we're talking about the coronavirus epidemic. Joining me is Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical New York. And uh, Dr. Thompson, we have many, many telephone calls here. Let's go. So let's get right to it. Okay, let's go to uh, Ruben right now. Ruben, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing, Lisa? Thank you so much for having this discussion about this. You know, it's definitely difficult times right now. And, you know, I just wanted to ask the doctor, you know, Dr. Charles, you know, about um, the symptoms, actually, like after you get the virus, God forbid, let's say you do get infected with the virus. Once your body heals, once you, you know, you go through the whole process and let's say two weeks later or whatever, the virus leaves your body, what type of effects does the virus do to your body like does it permanently damage your lungs in the in the like in the long run like do you have something to worry about oh, like later lung on scarring like, or something ruben excellent question let's get an answer from dr thompson what about people who recover we hear and here's a good number that more than 80 percent of the people who get coronavirus survive and recover ruben's question do they have any long-lasting after effects That's an excellent question. And all the data that we have right now does not show us or does not tell us that there are long-lasting effects. This virus belongs to a family uh, similar to MERS and SARS. It's called the coronavirus, uh, the corona family of viruses. These are all mild respiratory illnesses that have the propensity to become severe. Um, but it's almost similar to the regular flu that you would get. You know, you get the flu, you recover, and there's no long-lasting effects. I will couch that by saying that we don't have all the information yet. This is a new virus, and so we we need some long-term data to see what the sequela will be. Uh, but as of right now, there's no evidence that there is any long-lasting effects. Okay, let's go to uh, uh, let's go to Sam right now. Sam, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, Lisa. How are you doing? Good Tyler? morning. How are you? All right. Question. My, um, my fiance is a question officer for the state of New York, and the 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 issue is this. If somebody within that system contacts the virus and they bring it to work and then they contaminate the inmates and the other other officers, where are they going to quarantine? By default, they have to stay within the jail and then nobody else comes in. What, what happens? They can't work because now, they un, they're, now they're infected. 
So where do you put the inmates and where do you put the officers? Well, that, that that's an excellent question, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't think we have that. I, I don't know that there. I don't know that there is a plan for that. And uh, but I do know, like with it, in China, there was a big issue with the prisons. Right. So if an inmate is diagnosed uh, with COVID-19, I'm sure that the inmate officials have a plan in place where they're going to have to be isolated. So there should be a place within the uh, jail where those uh, inmates will be isolated. As far as uh, people working um, in the jails, uh, it depends on the severity of the symptoms. If the symptoms are mild, you still have to see a physician, get diagnosed. However, they may send that patient home to be isolated at home. If the symptoms are severe, they're going to be request, well, they're going to mandate that the patient is admitted to the hospital, uh, and isolated within the hospital. So it's not an issue of if you have COVID-19, you have to be isolated in, you know, wherever it is that you are. You stop and you're isolated. No, it depends on the, the amount of symptoms and how severe the symptoms are, whether you're isolated at home or in the hospital. All right. Let's, uh, Let's let's go to uh, Martin right now. Martin, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Yes, good morning, and take and thank you for taking my call. As a community leader here in Central Harlem, the my constituents are always asking me, are those especially on dialysis and chemotherapy? And it oh, seems like the question. government, no one is addressing that community because remember, when you're on dialysis, you are surrounded with people who have a, uh, a weakened immune system. But how can you have a weakened immune system and practice social distancing at the same time? And the doctor um, that's next to you just just answered one of the questions that I also had, which uh, was referring to the mask, because they're making them use that type of mask. But if someone in dialysis or in chemo have, uh, you know, have the COVID-19, how can the other people get protected when that mask itself is not going to help them? Like, no one is addressing that community, and I wish you guys would address them, you know, that community more. Okay, because Vernon, you're, raising, you're raising an excellent point because uh, you're, you're raising an excellent point, and I'm going to get Dr. Thompson to answer that because there are many people who require dialysis or, you know, th- that's a, it's a life-saving treatment that they need. Same thing with, with chemo chemotherapy. What, what about his concerns? What can he tell his people? So those patients with chronic renal failure requiring dialysis are on the list of people who are at higher risk of getting COVID-19, which is why it's much more important for those patients to be screened and regularly uh, examined for possible COVID-19 symptoms, Uh, specifically with fever, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, uh, coughing. Uh, these are things that need to be checked, and I'm, I, I don't want to speak for all organizations, but I'm sure that there's a plan in place for those patients uh, who are on dialysis, that when they come to receive dialysis, they're being questioned and screened. All right, and, and then in terms of in terms of the, the those patients who take a accessoride, MTA the MTA said last week accessoride will be sanitized just like the subway system and the regular buses, and also those accessoride vans and vehicles will also be sanitized and will continue to be available uh, for people with special needs who need them for transport to get around. Let's go to uh, Trisha right now. Trisha, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Hello, hi Lisa, how you doing? All right, how are you? Um, my question is, I'm a home care worker, and what can we do to protect ourselves? Because basically, we don't know what anybody has when we go into their home. Oh, great point. They don't, tell us, they don't tell us what they have when we go there. And at the end of the day, I still have to go back home to my kids. 
So what can we do to protect ourselves? All right, Tricia, excellent, excellent comment. And thank you for the work you do in our communities because you and the other home health attendants provide, I've seen it firsthand so many times, uh, helping people, particularly the elderly, to be able to live and remain in their homes and get the care that they need so that they can have as normal a life as possible. Let's see what Dr. Thompson has to say. So here's the issue, this contamination issue. You, you, you're in somebody's home, they go into the home, they don't know who else might have been in the home or out of the, that home when they're not there. What, what re- advice can you give for Trisha? So she, whatever she may be exposed to when she's there, she doesn't bring home or is that not a real, a, a real concern? No, that, that would certainly be a concern. I, I deal every day with healthcare, home healthcare providers, uh, when discharging patients from the hospital and I know the kind of work and the amount of work that they do, uh, with, uh, our patients. The best thing that we can say at this point is just to remain vigilant and to uh, be aware of any signs of possible infection. Uh, patients who are coughing, patients who have fevers, uh, many home care uh, health providers are taking vital signs. Uh, so fevers, uh, coughs, shortness of breath, these are all indications that there might be some sort of respiratory illness. You know, one thing that some healthcare provi- home health care providers are doing, they are taking their clothes off before they're going inside their own homes. So they'll have an outfit where they do their work with home health and they're going to different residences. But when they come back home, they take off their clothes uh, and, and change into a, a, an outfit to go inside the home with. I think that's a great idea. Can I add that as a reporter? I've had to be in a lot of different uh, situations where you're exposed to various things, whether it's insects, whether it's you, you never know what. After 9-11, there was tremendous amounts of dust. We would just be we'll be covered with dust. So that decom process yes. was as soon as you come in the door, everything that's the, all the clothes you have on, you, of course, the shoes come off. Right. In the, in the hall, you know, right inside the door, clothes come off into a plas- into a plastic bag to be cleaned immediately. Right. And I think also the shoe, you know, I was thinking about the shoes too, cause some, you know, some families, you're not allowed to wear shoes in, in the, the house. house. You have to leave sure. them right by the front door. And especially if you have, if you have toddlers or you have small kids, you know, you know, you know, these, you know, little kids and toddlers, they're, they, they, they're crawling around, they're jumping around, they're touching everything, it goes in, in their, their mouth. mouth. That's right. right. That's right. So that, that would be a good, that would be a good Absolutely. thing too for people that are concerned about this to when they come in is basically take it off and take a shower right away if you can you know my wife does the same thing for me when i come home from the hospital she says no take your take your clothes off and hop in the shower right away (laughs) exactly (laughs) everything some just some good common sense and as dr thompson's been saying too the best thing even better than sanitizer even better than these gloves is wash your hands with soap and water. This is Street Soldiers special episode 1-800-223-9797. Everybody on the lines, hang on. We'll get to your telephone calls right after this. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this special two-hour episode of Street Soldiers, we're focusing on the coronavirus pandemic. And what we're trying to do is give you some real perspective, some real information. Joining me in studio for these two hours, Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon and owner of Clarity Surgical New York. And also, I want to say um, hi to everybody and welcome everybody that's watching on the Instagram Live and Facebook Live feeds. This is an emergency episode. 
episodes, so we're not totally wired in with all the social media things. So you're, you may hear some things and may not. I would recommend you listen live on Hot 97 or on the Hot 97 app. But I thank you for joining us, and we're going to get to your telephone calls as well at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Um, Dr. Thompson, a lot of comments have been coming in. People want to know, in terms of prevention, in terms of making themselves more healthy, what can they do? So the two basic things that one can do to make yourself healthy is make sure you're getting enough rest and staying hydrated. Those are two very basic, easy things to do. Hydrated meaning drinking plenty of water um, and and Gatorade-type solutions, uh, Gatorade-type drinks. Now, some other sort of adjuncts to become more healthy uh, are eating properly, of course. So foods that are high in fiber, uh, plant-based proteins, Foods that are high in antioxidants, uh, like green leafy vegetables. Uh, uh, Foods that are high in vitamin complexes, B vitamins. Um, So, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, you know, good adjuncts to immune systems can be found in your normal, healthy, canned good foods or your non-perishable items that can be found at the grocery store. And if your grocery store is is low on supplies, it, it's my belief that, you know, this will be rectified in the next couple of days. What about in terms of vitamins? We're, we're, we're hearing different vitamins might be good. Like, obviously, these are just things you can do. It's not an overnight thing. Like, you you take this tomorrow, have a big salad, and, and you're going to be straight. Right. No, it, it, this is, you know, boosting your immune system is something that takes time over a period of weeks and months. Um, but you can st- you can always start today, right now, uh, with proper rest, hydration, B vitamin complex, um, and some people say vitamin C as well. All right, we're going to get to the phone lines, 1-800-223-9797. Do you have a question or comment about the coronavirus? Uh, for Dr. Charles Thompson, give us a call at 1-800-223-9797. And Juliana, what's, uh, what are people saying on Instagram Live and Facebook Live here? Well, Lisa, one question that has been coming up a lot is, is it okay to contain all COVID-19 positive people in one place? Okay, what about that? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, and to be honest, the attorney, attorney Hamilton that was on earlier might be a little better uh, suited to answer that question. That becomes a medical, legal, ethical question. If you want to herd everyone who's infected in the, in the same place, um, that encroaches a lot upon people's natural rights and constitutional rights. But at the same time, it may be uh, something that could be affected from a purely medical standpoint. Um, I personally don't believe that we should isolate everyone with COVID-19 in the same uh, environment that's... Uh, not the proper thing. To do. Well, well, it's also the medical. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk about is our medical system. You're a surgeon. You're in the hospitals. Do is our medical system equipped? It once we get because we're on the upswing, and this is yes. something I want to prepare everybody for too. Is right. is during and and please, uh, you know, you'll see me posting on Instagram almost every day with what the update is. But just to give you the big perspective, as Doctor Thompson said, we are we are going to be seeing now that there's more testing available, we're going to be seeing a, a dramatic increase in the numbers of positive cases, and it's going to get worse before it it gets better. But we should 
should not allow that to make us freak out. But Dr. Thompson, one of the concerns that the Nurses Association, the medical associations have expressed, and the CDC as well, is this concern over if a lot of people become acute, you know, very, very sick from from coronavirus, are there enough ICU beds or respirators for them in the country? Right now, the data shows that there is not or there are not enough, uh, enough ICU beds and uh, ventilators available should a very significant portion of the country become infected with COVID-19. However, we also have to remind ourselves that the vast majority of people who get COVID-19, especially now that we're testing uh, more, will have mild disease, mild disease requiring simply home isolation. So again, just because you have COVID-19 does not mean that you're going to be admitted to the hospital and that you need a ventilator and that you need an ICU bed. Most patients diagnosed with COVID-19 will require home isolation and two weeks of isolation to let the virus and the symptoms pass. All right, let's uh, take some phone calls. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Lionel. On Lionel, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um that's Lionel with two L's at the end. Um, I'm a love and make an expert, and I've heard uh, a lot about the virus. However, I never heard anybody speaking about uh, if it's transmitted through kissing, uh, sex, per se. All right. Well, that's and, a great uh, that's a great question. Let's get an answer from Doctor Thompson on that. Sure. So this is a, a, a what about that? This is this is a disease that is spread through respiratory droplets, meaning that the virus takes hold in the mucous membranes of the respiratory tract. There have been some studies that find that it's also uh, found in the mucosa of the gastrointestinal tract as well. But there have been no confirmed spread or cases of spreading through the gastrointestinal tract. Um, so kissing, yes, you could theoretically contract it by kissing someone who has COVID-19. Now, sex... Uh, meaning uh, vaginal intercourse, there have been no studies and no data to show that uh, COVID-19 has been spread through uh, vaginal intercourse. Um, however, again, like I said, there have been studies to show that they have found viruses within the gastrointestinal tract by uh, testing stool. So kissing, yes, you can contract COVID-19 through kissing. Uh, vaginal intercourse, there have been no studies to show that it's transmitted that way. All right, there you go. Let's go to, um, let's go to Vernon right now. Vernon, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Vernon, go right ahead. Oh, did I not press? Vernon, hi, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Okay. So first, um, what does the 19 mean in COVID-19, if you know? Secondly, (laughs) is there any truth? Is there any truth to overuse of antibacterial uh, lowering your immune system over time if you're not washing hands as much but using too much antibacterial? Oh, excellent um, question. Excellent question. Okay. And um, yeah. the last, and if yes. I may say just this, the last thing before I, I get cut off here, is um, for those who may feel symptoms or feel a little sick, but their jobs tell them, hey, if you catch it, you know, we're only going to cover you for two weeks. People are afraid to say if they even have any symptoms because they don't want to be out of work. It's a financial matter, too. Um, I'm not sure. What do people do? <laughs> How do we survive? <laughs> okay, that, the, Vernon, these are excellent questions. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's get the answer to the first one. In terms of, there was a lot of talk about people being resistant, you know, with all these anti antibacterial 
antibacterial soaps. First of all, this is a virus, so the antibacterial soap isn't going to really make a difference, right? No, it is not. Uh, it, that's why we have to use uh, hand sanitizers with alcohol. The alcohol will destroy um, the virus, but antibacterial soap will not. And there's, there is no truth that I'm aware of, and I, I read pretty extensively, there's no truth that I'm aware of that says antibacterial will decrease your immune system. Now, the, the first question you had was about the 19 and COVID-19. So just a little bit of uh, nomenclature. The actual virus itself is part of a class of viruses called coronavirus. SARS was part of this, MERS is part of this, and now we have this virus. This virus is actually called um, SARS-CoV-2. That's the name of the virus. The, the disease that that virus causes is called COVID-19. COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. All right, and that's where the 19 came from. What about what about Vernon's concern that people who are feeling sick, they don't want to, and they're required to show up for work, the workplace is open, that they don't want to say that they're sick because they're they're afraid that they're going to lose a lose a job or lose a money. Very major concern, Lisa, and I think uh, you addressed that earlier in the program when you said that they should uh, people should contact their local municipalities because now that this has been uh, deemed as a national emergency, funds have been opened up. Uh, for people uh, with uh, unemployment benefits and other ways of uh, procuring uh, money for rent and, and other life issues, and also too, uh, if you're a New York, if you're a New York City resident, uh, we we asked the mayor about this at one of the press conferences. He said, "Call three one one if you need different types of assistance. If you need food stamps, uh, about unemployment information, all of these types of things, uh, emergency programs that may be available to you for assistance." And also, you know, a lot of people are pitching in to help privately, too. We, we saw with the NBA, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the players right. donating yes. donating money to help the stadium workers and other security and all the other personnel that are behind the scenes there for the games that are out of work because these games are not going on. Uh, Barclay Center, you know, a similar, similar situation. So, you know, big shout out to all of them. But if you're in New York, if you're a New York City resident, you need and, and you need information about testing or you need help with food assistance you need um, information about where food pantries might be uh, you should call 311 if you're in New York State and you're looking for testing information 888-364-3065 that's 888-364-3065 and we're taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797 Juliana what about the social media comments there on Instagram and Facebook so another question that I've been getting is if you already contracted COVID-19 and you feel better after a while, is it possible to re-get the To get it virus? again. Yes. Dr. Thompson, what about that? Yes. Yeah, so again, this is a very early process of our uh, knowing and understanding uh, COVID-19. And we assume... In, Probably rightfully so, that it's very similar to the other colds or flu-like illnesses. If someone contracts COVID-19 and is healed, 
uh, their body has built up some sort of immunity against that so that the uh, chances of further infection down the road are decreased but are still possible. Well, let me ask you this. How do you know when you're fully, people who get it, how do you know when you're fully over it? Because I'm sure a lot of people have made the mistake I do. You're like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And then, you you know, you do too much too soon. So the way, the way it is right now in New York State, um, well, first let's start off with the CDC. The CDC requires two negative uh, swabs or testings for COVID-19. New York State has actually increased that bar and has made it four. You have to have four negative tests, two from the nasal pharynx or the nose and two from the oral pharynx or the oral cavity, the mouth. Um, but those tests aren't even given until the patient is symptom-free. So once the patient is symptom-free, then the physician will run these tests to see if uh, there's any, any further um, virus present. All right, let's uh, let's take some calls. Let's go to uh, Lu- Lewis right now. Lewis, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning, morning, Lewis. I know you've been hanging out for a long time. What's your question or comment? Yeah. So my question or comment, um, I know that there's a health epidemic right now going on, but those that are um, knowledgeable with the health, um, is there any tips or uh, any comments or remarks in regards to the financial situation that is going on in regards to this health epidemic. Um, do you have any suggestions? Not suggestions, but um, I would say, like, I guess, I don't know, personal advice or from personal observation. Um, you mean people we, going through what, a, what should we be doing for our finances? For people that are going through hard times or people that have money and they're trying to protect it? Well, people that have money and are trying to protect it, but that are also going through the hard times right now because of this coronavirus. You know what I'm saying? Because of this coronavirus, you know, stocks dropped and a lot of things has dropped. Uh, 401ks, a lot of plans has been switched out. So um, just, you know. Okay, I'm not a financial expert, so I'm not going to get I'm not going to get you know touch that too much. But I, I do know from what some of the financial experts have said is that these things are cyclical as well, and that what goes down will come back up. And it's just there's no way for us except to move forward. Unless you really, really have to, I wouldn't touch anything uh, in your 401ks or anything else. And again, I also have to say I'm not a financial financial expert by any means. But but that's a great topic for a future show. Absolutely. Finances from the basics. And, and in terms of people that need help in New York City, the uh, if you need help with food, if you need help with uh, with speeding up an unemployment claim or anything of that nature, and also evictions are suspended in New York City uh, during this coronavirus epidemic, please call 311. The mayor says call 311. You will be directed uh, to people that can help you. If you call 311 you get, get and they don't help you, you know who to call. Hit me up on my social media, okay? And then we'll we'll, we'll see if we can look into it. Okay, um, let's go to, oh, here's a good, let's go to Lisa right now. Lisa, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, um, I'm concerned about the money. Can we get anything from the money? Like if I go to the store right now and I buy something and I exchange my $20 bill and can we get sick from that? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, it says, and Governor Cuomo, Dr. Thompson said last week that there's some evidence that the coronavirus stays on surfaces, can stay on surfaces for two days or more. Touching money. I mean, should we be concerned about that? I, it's, it's certainly something that we have to keep in the, in the back of our minds. Uh, however, there's just not enough data to say, you know, 
specifically how long the coronavirus uh, remains on services. Again, the primary way that is tr- that it is uh, transmitted is through respiratory droplets. Um, yes, coronavirus do- uh, virus does uh, stay on surfaces and stay viable on surfaces for a period of four to six hours. Uh, Governor Cuomo said maybe a couple of days. So you have to keep these things in mind. But again, the best thing to do is to wash your hands, soap and water every 20 minutes. So basically, you really don't have to be worried about it unless the cashier sneezes a messy sneeze on the money as they're handing it right to you. Correct. Okay, there we go. Let's go to uh, Bless right now. Bless, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my question is, uh, because viruses are naturally, when, when you contract the virus and it goes dormant, uh, can I give somebody COVID in the near future is my, my question, oh, if I do get COVID. That, that's a great question. Um, Dr. Thompson, what about this? Because we've heard some people being able to transmit it without themselves uh, having obvious symptoms. What about what he's asking? Correct. So... In the early stages of COVID, uh, COVID infection, you may be able to transmit it even though you don't have symptoms because you still have an active virus. But once you go through the virus, once you go through the process of having COVID-19 and then recovering, uh, the chances that you can then spread it are almost nil. It's right. similar to other viruses. All right. Well, that's some, some good news. Let's go to uh, Stephen right now. Stephen, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, guys. I just wanted to start off by thanking the doctor for explaining to his best, uh, the best of his abilities about the coronavirus. You're very welcome. And, you know, just trying to bring some awareness and, uh, you know, just giving people tips. It's very important, specifically at this time, for people to understand exactly what they could be doing and what they should be doing. Uh, so we work for Columbia University. We're actually working on some, uh, some vaccines. We're in the human trial stage. We're trying to find the best candidates to do some of our experiments with. Uh, thankfully, we have uh, one of the best presidents right now in history that are actually providing, he's actually providing... Okay, Stephen, Stephen, I, I appreciate, I, 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 I'm glad to hear that things are going on, but do you have a, we just have a limited amount of time, and is there any, do you have a question or comment for Dr. Thompson? Oh, well, just another suggestion to add on to what he's saying. Uh, okay. Again, the, we have a great president here. And uh, masks are extremely important. I know there's a misconception going around that uh, masks are useless, but uh, they're extremely important. We suggest that if people can get their hands on, on a mask, to get one, use it, and to learn how to use it properly. Because that, that's one main thing. If you don't know how to use these masks properly, right. you're going to have some issues with that. But, uh, you know, thank you for, you guys, for what you guys are doing and Trump 2020. All right. Thank you very much for the call. In, ter- in terms of the masks, okay, I, I, and, and Stephen, I'm not sure what his medical training is or what his credentials are. In terms of the masks, let's just talk about this because we see people with these surgical masks. Every medical a- official from the city and the state has said they really do not protect you. Right. And that the only one that really does is this N95 mask, which should be worn by people who have coronavirus so that they're not spreading it because to to wear them properly it's almost like a like a biochem mask where there has to be a complete seal you have to be properly fitted for the N95 mask one in one N95 mask does not work for everyone there's certain sizes and, and ways that people are fitted for this mask um, now just to go back to that previous calls uh, comment 
you know, one of the issues that we're having and why we're having a lot of fear and, and, uh, and, and panic is because of inconsistent messaging. And we have to make sure, again, that we get good information from the proper sources. The CDC, the Centers of Disease Control, has said that masks in people who are not symptomatic and people who do not have COVID-19 are uh, ineffectual. So the only people that should be wearing masks are those who have COVID-19, those who are caring for people with COVID-19, uh, including uh, healthcare workers in the hospitals. All right, 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to uh, Av right now. Av, hi, you're on Hot 97. Thanks for hanging on so long. Hi, my name is Ave. Oh, Ave, I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> um, I'm a sensory dropper. And we deal with a lot of sick and elderly people, we do. And they don't give us any sanitizer, they don't give us nothing. And it's nothing on the shelf about. So it's like we're, we're like in like major contact with people. If they do have their knock fellas, because I have people that talk on my bus every day. And it's like, what? I can't really say nothing because they'll tell transit on us. Do they give you? Do they give you gloves? Ave, do they give they you gloves? Give us any. Nope, nothing. nothing all, right, all right, hang on for a second. Let, let's see what what Doctor Charles Thompson says. The the accessory riders because a lot of times too they have to help the the people that if they're in a wheelchair or they they have to physically help them if they're with a walker they have to. Put their hands, you know, they have to be right. in cl- very close proximity right. to be able to help the people get into the accessorize so they can get to their doctor's appointments or dialysis, wherever they're, they, they happen to be going. Do you have any advice for her? What I would do, if you don't have any ex- uh, access to hand sanitizer... Uh, well, let me ask you this: When when you're riding, is there is there an escort on the on the, in the vehicle with you? No, usually there's not. Usually there isn't. Mm-hmm. No, because it's usually the driver. Sometimes the bigger ones there's there's a second person, but most of them it's just the the single driver. Well, if at any uh, if there's any possibility to have someone uh, sort of watch that person after you help them onto the vehicle, so that you can go inside and wash your hands. Um, you know, the main thing actually is to discuss this with your supervisor. This Absolutely. is something that you need to discuss. There needs to be a, pan, a plan put in place. And, and if, if you, and it's a health concern. Right. And also the accessorizes are a part of the MTA. That's right. So MTA has been saying that they're doing everything they can in terms of cleanliness. Um, I would take it up with your, with your shop steward or whoever's your supervisor and make sure those accessorized uh, vehicles are also wiped down and, and, and properly sanitized. This is Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers with Dr. Charles Thompson. We'll be right back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome uh, welcome back to this special two-hour live episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. With me is Dr. Charles Thompson III. He's a medical doctor and surgeon, owner of Clarity Surgical New York. We're taking your telephone calls and comments on social media, Instagram and Facebook, at Lisa Evers, about the coronavirus epidemic. And what we're really trying to do is give you accurate information that's based on the research, that's based on the official scientific data, and also helping you psychologically to get through this because it's it's a lot to take in a lot of changes have happened in our lives in the last 72 hours but uh let's let's take some phone calls here let's go to cheryl right now cheryl hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead 
Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Um, for pregnant mothers, what uh, should we look out for? Uh, should we um, attend baby showers? Should what? What? Oh, what? great question. Great question, Cheryl. Thank you so much. So, and uh, thank you for that question, Cheryl. So, pregnant mothers attending uh, baby showers and large gatherings like this um, is is a little risky. Uh, women who are pregnant uh, in the scientific community are somewhat immunosuppressed, uh, so the uh, uh, the risk of contracting a COVID nineteen may be slightly increased. With that being said, there's only been two cases in the country of uh, pregnant women passing the virus to their uh, unborn uh, child. child. Yes, so um, I, I we don't we don't really have enough data to say yes or no, but I think just being cautious is would be uh, it would be a very prudent idea not to attend baby showers. But to also um, undergo the same sort of uh, precautionary measures that any other person who's non-pregnant would undergo. Washing your hands with uh, water and soap and staying away from sick contacts. All right. Juliana, you had another question. We had a comment about that, too, from on, on Instagram about the uh, pregnancy. Yes. So also related to pregnancy, um, a question that I received is, are the symptoms similar for an infant as it is for an adult? Oh, good question. What about for, what about for, for babies and for, for young children, small children? So to my knowledge, there hasn't been any uh, transmission or contraction of this illness uh, by the pediatric population other than those two cases I just mentioned where the pregnant mother passed it on to their unborn child. Um, so... If I'm going based off of the regular flu and flu-like symptoms, yes, uh, fevers, uh, coughing, chills, um, specifically for babies, uh, inability to console them, the babies keep crying. Um, I would certainly uh, be very, uh, I'd be very concerned about a, a flu-like or viral infection. All right, let's uh, take a call right now. Let's go to Prim. Prim, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. The question that I have, um, I'm in the medical field and um, being type 1 diabetic. How do we go about with the COVID-19? Okay, good question. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Prim. So uh, diabetes type 1 is different than diabetes type 2. Diabetes type 2 is a more common condition. Diabetes type 1 it's something that is uh, contracted uh, uh, from birth. Now, that being said, even though they are different, the precautionary measures that you should take are the same. Uh, you still are going to be at higher risk of uh, contracting COVID-19. So uh, proper hand washing uh, with soap and water and staying away from sick contacts and being very uh, cognizant of possible symptoms are very important. All right, let's talk about uh, travel. Because a lot of people, even though there, there's a lot of travel now that has been shut down, a lot of events that people were traveling to have been canceled. Um, what's your, what is your take on travel in terms of, of, of let's talk about airplanes first. So it, it depends on the, the context in which you are traveling. Where are you going? Uh, where are you coming from? What will you be doing at the location that you are traveling to? Um, if you are going 
uh, if you're traveling to a place that has uh, no or very mild uh, communication of diseases, then and you're visiting maybe a family member or a family, then there shouldn't be any any problems. However, if you are traveling to a place that has increasing number of uh, transmission and you're going to be in a large group setting, I would be very uh, concerned about traveling in those kinds of environments. Um, now, if you're in a place that has a large amount of transmission and going to a place that has a low amount of transmission, um, you also have to be careful in that situation as well because though you're asymptomatic, uh, there's a possibility that you could be uh, taking the COVID-19 somewhere else. So uh, it, it, it really depends on where you're traveling to, where you're traveling from, and the context in which you will be traveling. And, and also, please keep in mind, I want to explain this too. We're, we are in, in New York State, New, New Jersey, and many states in the United States um, have their own individual statewide states of emergency, but the United States of America, our entire country, is under this national emergency that President Trump declared on Friday. What that means is they can basically shut down anything they need to shut down if they feel it is necessary to preserve the public health. We've already seen in our area the city of Teaneck is telling people to self quarantine because they had a coronavirus cluster there. Uh, we've seen in Hoboken with all the bars and everything leading up to the St. Patrick's Day, uh, which is typically a big party time, and still a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 p.m., a curfew. So this is this is very possible. We also had reports this morning of uh, air travelers coming in from Kennedy Airport being grouped into those, you know, when you come in from the international flights, too, you're, you're packed in there with a lot of people waiting to be screened to be allowed to re-enter uh, the United States. These are American citizens. So tra- when you think about traveling at this particular time, this is not traveling as we normally know it in terms of air travel. Even if it's not safe, there's different changes. There's different um, different possible disruptions in terms of measures that need to be taken to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And while these measures seem very, very drastic, as Dr. Thompson has been telling us all morning, the actual possibility of you getting the virus and surviving it is extremely high. It's 80% or higher, according to the CDC. So that's something very good to keep in mind. But what they're most concerned about is that it's highly contagious and they want to stop that contagion so that the p- people that are the most vulnerable in terms of their medical conditions do not contract it. And Dr. Thompson, in terms of the, the gloves, let's just go over a couple of safety things. Obviously, you want to have your home as clean as possible. That's right. And if you work, if you work around a lot of people and you're coming home, I would recommend Dr. Thompson recommends it. He's a doctor. He's around a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of ill people as well. As soon as you come in, you take off all your clothes that you had on for that particular day, take off your shoes, take a shower and also keep the floors clean. If you have, if you have babies, um, or toddlers or small children, you know, keep the, keep your floors as clean as possible too. That's right. And, and, uh, even more importantly are the surfaces within the home that are used by all the members of the home. So any tabletops, desktops, again, light switches, remote controls. Uh, we, you know, most people are on their cell phones, but even if you have landlines, you know, make sure these these areas are clean with disinfectant that has six, at least sixty to seventy percent alcohol base, or you can use an EPA um, approved uh, disinfectant. 
All right, and also in ter- in terms of food, in terms of food supplies, we've already seen some countries like Italy. The entire country is on a lockdown. You need to be prepared in your home for with with additional food supply additional food supplies. You need to have non perishable food in there that you can feed your family with, and extra water and whatever else you need. Um, Doctor Thompson, another question too in terms of preparations. What about people with medications? Can they get extra medications? Or right. Well, we had a caller that just called in. Uh, I think in the first hour, she was a pharmacist, and she's experiencing uh, in a, a surge, a surge in people getting refills on their medications. So, yes, I would recommend that patients who have medications that they have to take on a daily basis, they get extra supply of those medications, so that they have them ready in case that's there's right, there's so any have, type of right. disruption uh, to the supply, right. chain supply chain or or anything like that, and they can uh, they can keep that going. And then in in terms of in in, in terms of the just giving us the big picture, you you mentioned there's different stages with a pandemic. Yes. So where exactly are we with this? Because from a news perspective, what I expect is that it's going to get worse before it gets better because we're going to be seeing more cases now that there's more testing. We will be seeing we will be seeing some some deaths, and uh, right. hopefully nowhere near what we saw from the regular flu, which was twenty thousand people so far this year. Right. So with a pandemic and and just for those who don't know, a pandemic means that this is a worldwide uh, emergency of, of, of this particular viral illness. So there's four stages to a pandemic. There's the uh, investigation stage, there's the recognition stage, the initiation stage, and the acceleration stage. We as a country are in the initiation stage where we're just initiating testing and we are becoming familiar with the virus. Within the country, we have certain states like in New York, unfortunately, and California and Washington state that are in the early acceleration stage. We will have more diagnoses of this uh, condition. We will unfortunately have more deaths, but we will have more diagnoses than deaths and the mortality rate uh, will likely fall. Uh, Again, 80% of all cases are a mild respiratory disease. Um, not requiring hospitalization. So as, as Lisa said earlier, that's, that's very good news. But we have to stay vigilant and use simple, basic uh, precautionary measures as hand washing and staying away from sick contacts and being aware of possible symptoms. Right, and avoiding large crowds, which is going to be a lot easier to do because so many things have been shut down, unfortunately, and uh, really taking care of people and, and really staying, staying as positive as we, as we possibly uh, can so, in in term in terms of help in New, in New York City, if you have questions um, about testing in New York State, um, they they are hoping to have these drive through tests like you would drive through for right. fast food, which right. is an excellent idea. Right. Um, you can call the New York State hotline, which is eight 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 three six four thirty sixty five. That's eight 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 three six four. 3065 or just Google New York State Coronavirus Testing and the New York State website will come up nationally. They're working on a Google, uh, with Google on a national website, um, which we don't have the information. I don't think that's ready to go yet, but, um, they're working on that as well. And then also in New York City, if you're having financial problems, if you're having problems with food, you should call 311. And the mayor has been telling us that people will be directed to the uh, resources that they need. And Charles, any just final quick last word to everybody on this? Yes, please. Uh, thank you, Lisa. The I would really would like people to know that 
we benefit most from proper messaging and correct information. Um, Instagram, Facebook is great, but oftentimes it's a source of a lot of misleading information. Even on our TV shows, some of our news outlets and news channels, uh, there's a lot of sensationalism and there's a lot of um, panic and fear that comes from that. I would recommend going to cdc.gov or your New York State Department of Health website for information about coronavirus and COVID-19. Those are the only two places that you should be going. Um, and if, again, you take the proper precautionary measures of hand washing or uh, sanitizing your hands, uh, staying away from sick contacts, um, and being aware of the symptoms of fever, shortness of breath, cough, then we can do our best in trying to mitigate the spread of this disease. Definitely. And uh, Dr. Thompson, I want to thank you so very much for, well, for being you, so generous and, and giving uh, your time and your experience and your expertise, helping us really thank understand you. what we're dealing with here. We, yes. we really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Lisa, very much. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody who called in, tuned in, listening, and uh, watching on our social media, Instagram and Facebook. And I, I really have to thank our team here at Hot 97, our Senior Vice President for Programming and pretty much a lot of stuff. <laughs> the one and only P.O. Farrell. P.O., thank you for giving us this opportunity to really get the information out there and, and uh, reassure our audience and, and put them in the right direction in terms of what's going on. I right. um, also want to thank Patricia Robinson, our Vice President for Community Engagement and Human Resources, for her support and helping us get the show together here. And also my whole team um, our other guests that were on by phone, Dr. Norman Free, the psychologist, attorney Philip Hamilton, thank you for uh, giving us your time and your expertise. And also uh, Team Lisa, Naya Johnson, Juliana, and DJ Stacks, thank you very much for uh, keeping us on the air and keeping everything moving here. And, and thank you so very much for listening to Street Soldiers, listening to Hot 97. I hope you have the app by now because a lot's going on. We've been doing a lot of uh, news break-ins with things as they develop up here on Hot 97. Shout out to Megan Wright and T.T. Torres uh, for that, for, for keeping the listeners informed. And I want to thank you so much. We're going to get through this. This is a crisis. It's a big disruption in a lot of people's lifestyle. But you know what? Maybe it's a time we need to just do a whole self-check of like what really matters, what's really important. And what's really important is our human beings, our life, our lives, and really caring about each other and uplifting it everybody. So remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.